This is Crypto Slim on to talk about blockchain, cryptocurrency. Let's get the man on the show. Repeat offender of Call Me Ignorant. Very excited to have him on. Let's see what the guy's got to say. This will be uploaded as Call Me Ignorant, like I said. Might take a, a second to join up and things like that, but we got Crypto Slim, formerly known as Slim Vision, coming on the program. Let's let the technology connect, and then we'll be good. Hello. Hey, Stephen, can you hear and see me? I can hear and see you. Yes. Can you hear me? All right. All right, yes, buddy. How's Fantastic. it going? We're live on air. Welcome, welcome to the show. Good, I good. mean, is this your third time or second time on? Did we just Thank do you. that one in 2019? Uh, we did. Well, I think this is the third time third. I came on once uh, on uh, through audio. Um, so I think this will be the third time. Cool, man. Yeah. So we're talking about blo- blockchain and crypto and stuff like that. But my first question was going to be about, you know, you, you changed the, the name of your channel to Crypto Slim, your Slim Vision before. Um, when did you do that? And uh, I guess, you know, the main focus of, of your channel is, you know, crypto and blockchain. But when did you change that? And what made you kind of switch directions with your channel? Yeah, so my channel was always kind of uh, based on technology. You know, I would do tech reviews and things. So um, as I've gotten more involved in the blockchain and crypto world, I just felt it was appropriate to kind of rebrand myself as, as Crypto Slim. It also, it sounds a lot cooler than Slim Quiggle. I mean, that's hard to get out of your mouth, but, you know, Crypto Slim sounds cool. You know, uh, so it's just something that, that I decided needed to be done. I also go by Cardano Slim on, uh, on Twitter, just because that's one of the communities that I'm really involved in and the blockchains that, that, I, that I really uh, follow. Now, when we when we were uh, DMing a little bit, you said that, you know, crypto is more than just a money thing. Is there a distinction between, you know, I mean, one of the things I was I was thinking about when uh, when we decided to have you on is, you know, the original premise of the show Call Me Ignorant was to learn about things that I know relatively nothing about. And even though I've had you on before, I still know almost nothing about crypto. I need kind of like the basics. But is there a meaningful distinction between crypto and blockchain? You know, what is the difference between the two? Are they used interchangeably or is is crypto just the currency? Why don't you start us from the ground up and, you know, what, what is blockchain, crypto? And a lot of people just call call it Bitcoin, but they're talking about like coins in general. What is the technology and why is it important? Sure, sure. So the, uh, the crypto and blockchain, the two terms are kind of used interchangeably. Um, but the, the more accurate term is blockchain just because uh, of, of the technology. So it is a revolution in technology. And that's one of the reasons why, why I've really got into it. So what, what kind of makes it so revolutionary is it's, uh, it's like a distributed ledger. So look at it as a, uh, at it as a database <clears throat> that's public that runs on a bunch of different nodes and computers. Now, it's encrypted, and it's also immutable, which means it cannot be changed without consensus. So that's really the power of these blockchains is uh, they're pretty hack-resistant. They're also resistant to censorship. So they solve a lot of the tech problems that, that we're experiencing in the world right now. Um, you know, so it's there to kind of be a public auditable ledger that has to come to consensus before anything can be changed. And various blockchains come to that consensus in different ways. You have your Bitcoin, 
which does it through proof of work, which is what most people see as pretty power intensive, which uses processors, mainly graphical processors to solve complex math problems to validate transactions. There's also proof of stake blockchains, which are a bit more environmentally friendly. Um, Ethereum is actually trying to move to that. And if you guys don't know these blockchains, don't, don't worry. There's thousands of them out there right now. Right. Bitcoin and Ethereum are, are really the top two right now. Okay. So, you know, so it's digital information, right? I mean, I, I have my, you know, my knowledge goes that far. It's digital information. And is it, I mean, everything that's on a computer is basically what you would call code, right? I mean, we have a, I have a regular in the chat, uh, Mitch McConnell smuggles Coke, and he's explained this much to me. And in fact, McConnell's explained this to me probably 10 times and I still kind of don't get it, but it's, it's all code and it's, is it decentralized in the way that everyone who holds a, a little bit a little bit of it also holds the whole ledger? Is that how it works? Yeah, everybody that's participating in it holds the whole ledger. Some blockchains are different than others, so you really do have to do your research into each. Some of them are not decentralized, so um, you, you do have to kind of be wary there. You know, Bitcoin is decentralized in the in the manner that you know you don't have an institution running it, but then again, it's centralized in in the fashion that most of the uh, the miners are in China, and almost 100% of the graphics cards come out of China. So um, you know you do have centralization and, and certain factors of it that you always have to consider. Okay, so what, what? So you said proof of work and proof of stake. So these are just different ways of. Ver the verification process and that's kind of what mining is right you're you're verifying different you know you're, you're just verifying the code in different ways can, can you explain what what proof of work and proof of stake is and why proof of stake is more environmentally friendly you mean it just uses less power yeah, yeah, sure. So the, the proof of work, as I kind of went over a little bit, uh, just a little bit ago, is using the graphics cards to process like these transactions based on these mathematical computations. So pretty much if, you know, a hacker wanted to inject something onto this ledger, you know, say give himself a million dollars in Bitcoin, he would do so. And, you know, maybe it makes it onto one ledger, but eventually all the other miners would see it and they would be like, wait, I don't, I don't know what this is. And they'd validate it with each other. So that, that's kind of how you can prevent against that. Now, proof of work um, blockchains do have vulnerabilities where if you get like 51% of the hash rate, you can actually add things to that ledger that, uh, that shouldn't be there. So they do have vulnerabilities like that in, in proof of work. Um, the proof of stake, as I was saying, uh, it's a lot more environmentally friendly because it's actually utilizing stakes of tokens to secure the network. So say a, an individual like me, instead of mining, I would ramp up a, a validator node. And different blockchains you know, have different requirements on what that takes. But generally, you could run it on one of the higher spec Raspberry Pis. So what kind of makes proof of stake revolutionary and, and a lot more environmentally friendly is you've got a guy in Africa that could have a solar panel and run one of these things for, for himself and his, and his community. And, uh, and he'd be able to generate income off of that. 
you know, they really can't do that with a solar panel uh, and mine Bitcoin. Mm. I mean, you have to have a, a quite a bit of solar panels. So you can do it, but it's it's not cheap to get into. Whereas you, you with proof of stake, it is a lot cheaper, you know. So okay. that that's kind of where the environmentally friendly part comes in, and also that it it's just more distributed because it's more affordable to be able to get into. And there there are other uh, blockchains that have other validation uh, and consensus methods. One of the more provably secure ones uh, is proof of space time. Okay, and this uses proof of your storage, so you would store files. Uh, and different hashes, and it uses that over time. So I don't want to get you too confused going into yeah. that, but there are other more secure methods than proof of stake and proof of work. Um, but those are the two main ones: the proof of stake and to proof of work. Okay, so the and so the good thing about I mean I I definitely get confused easily, and I definitely um, don't have that much experience with uh, with you know this realm or whatever but i know how to get unconfused it all starts in the for me it always starts in the terminology and stuff so i just have some questions about like what the terms are what is a hash so you said something about the hash rate or what is the hash and the hash rate so the hash has to do with how many mathematical computations it's actually able to solve Within a, within a certain amount of time. Okay. So your higher level graphics cards are going to have a higher hash rate. Uh, so you, you can actually mine more Bitcoin faster with, with higher hash rates. Okay. And so, and so more GPUs or a more powerful processor is how Pretty you much, Im- yes. improve your, your hash rate. Okay. And yeah, yes. Okay. So one of the things I wanted to, so I have a question about, you know, people that, you know, watch the show who know way more than me have suggested that I start my own coin before, which I mean, I, I don't know. sounds good if I had a bigger audience or whatever, but what, okay. So if I were to start my own coin today or even better, we, whenever Bitcoin or Ethereum was started and I have a pretty good amount of crypto. I just don't, I just bought it over the years and have made money because it's grown. But when you start your own crypto, what do you actually sit down and do and how does it, make its first dollar what is the first dollar that's made really yeah yeah so it really depends on you know your your goal you know are you are you looking to do this as a joke are you looking to do this as an actual business model (laughs) so you could do it in in a few different ways um for instance i've i've created coins already um and the method to do that is is pretty simple it's just a, a creation of of a token um however um, when you go and give use and utility to it, that, that's when the value really starts to come in. Now, on top of the tokens, just generating the tokens, you also want to think about like investment schedule, um, how many are going to be you know, divided up between developers, how many are going to be divided up between the community, pre-sale, and potential pre-mine activities. So that's what they would refer to as tokenomics. Um, so that, that's something you want to work out a little bit before you release it. Now, some coins don't do tokenomics. They're just pure out there as a functional token. Um, so that's one of the things before you get into any of them, you really do want to look at what their their function is. Okay. And so what what I mean is when you actually like say me and you, you know, I book you for three a three hour session. I pay you some money to to set up my my own token and I want to sit with you while we do it together and watch what you're doing. What are you doing first 
on the computer when I say I want to start Ignit Coin? You know, what, what do you what do you actually sure. do so when you start a token? On the yeah, so it's going to depend on the blockchain. So yeah. the blockchain that I've previously created tokens on is the Cardano blockchain, and pretty much what you sit down and do. Um, now, right now, Cardano doesn't have smart contracts. It's going to be launching in July and August. Smart contracts is what would control the tokenomics. So right now, I have not actually set up the tokenomics to, for the supply of them for when they're vested and how many get sold out to the community. Right now, I'm the owner of all of them, and whatever I decide to do with them is what, what happens with them. Um, so what I do is I sit down at my computer, and I have uh, what's called a relay node. This node uh, helps to actually participate in the network and relay traffic around it, but it doesn't actually validate transactions. That would be called you know, the stake pool node. So I sit down at that and I run a few commands. Uh, and after those commands, it, it gives me a token. Now, in that token, you attach a policy to it. That policy is what defines who can mint more tokens, who can burn tokens, and pretty much... Um, whether or not you know I can create other things within that policy, so that's really the important part is is that policy piece and having that recorded. That policy is also what helps you authenticate whether this is is a real token or not from the actual place. So you know uh, most of these these uh, tokens that exist out there are ERC twenty tokens. They're running on top of Ethereum. And this is kind of what they've done for a lot of those. Now, most of those are wrapped in smart contracts, um, but that, that's pretty much what they've done with a lot of them, where they'll, they'll ramp them up, um, and then they'll wrap them in the smart contract and break them up between, um, between like developers and community, and then they'll give it utility. So um, I, I kind of see the utility part as being one of the, the most important parts but tokenomics is also almost as equally important. So I, I'm not advanced enough to have gotten around to the full tokenomics and sitting down and working all those things out. Um, but, uh, you know, I've created my own coin and I'm on the road to figuring it out. <laughs> okay. So if I can, if I can just kind of mirror it back to you or whatever. So me and you sit down, you, you run a couple commands there. And I don't know anything about co coding, but I know what commands are, you know, and, and so you've a attached something called a policy to it and inside of that policy are some things that you don't you're not an expert in yet or you don't exactly but it's the the field is called tokenomics like how the whole how the whole thing kind of works um and say it was a um and there's different networks you can be on the ethereum network cardano um what what how does the first money get made like I still, yeah. How does the first dollar, do I sell it to someone? Do gotcha. Yeah. How does that work? Yeah. So, so usually what, what companies will do, and this was big back in 2017 is they'll do uh, an ICO an initial coin offering where a lot of people uh, can go and, and pre buy it. Um, some companies will allow you to ramp up validator nodes like a stool or a miner and allow you to pre-mine it before they actually offer that. So there's a few different ways that uh, that 
you know, that these blockchains raise money to begin with. Usually they'll, they'll raise money with an ICO. And then that ICO is how they'll, that money that they've generated is how they'll then reward people for participating in the network and kind of building it up. Okay. And whatever really kind of clicked there is like an ICO would be like a, like an IPO when, uh, when a company goes, goes public get their initial public offering and you can kind of pre buy in and, but the only difference would be that a, a company generates wealth or creates something prior to it going public, but a, a coin doesn't produce anything. You know I mean? It, it does it by its nature. It's, it's a digital thing that sits there in the form of code, but is it, you know, something that people can just invest in, um, like I guess what I'm asking, like it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't provide value. It stores value, right? Well, um, yes and no, because it really depends on on which blockchain or crypto you're looking at, okay. right? So if you're looking at ones that are just money, um, they're more storing value. Whereas if you look at the ones like Ethereum, like Cardano, like Polkadot, uh, they're building a, a network. You can look at them as kind of like the new internet where lots and tons of utility is going to be built on top of it. Things like asset tracking, things like voting systems, things like ID systems. And these things are already coming to fruition on them. Now, right now, one of the bigger pieces is what's called you know, decentralized finance. And uh, I, I, I actually... I'm not a fan of the whole decentralized finance stuff because I, I think it kind of gives a bad name to crypto right now. Hmm. It's making lots of people money, but I think it gives a bad name to it because it's th there is no real value it's generating besides moving money around for people, you know? <laughs> okay. So, and so like, yeah, I definitely want to spend a lot of time in the interview talking about the non, you know, monetary ways that this can, you know, you, you basically said in DMS that, you know, it can change the world. And many people have told me that as well, that it, it is, you know, implications way beyond money. And, you know, so you mentioned vote. So is, is its biggest value that it's very, very hard to hack and, and to tamper with? I would say it's kind of twofold. One is that it's, it's difficult to hack or tamper with. Um, now, when, when quantum computing comes into its age, that may change because the, the encryption that's being used is expected to be broken pretty quickly by quantum computers. Um, but um, the, uh, this, the second part is going to be the, the fact that it's publicly auditable. So anything that's on the blockchain, anybody can write a program, write an app to interact with it and report back off of it. So, you know, let's say that our voting systems go there, you know, this stuff isn't, it's not only auditable, but you can actually track the ownership back to a person. Hmm. So right now you, you would call Bitcoin pseudo anonymous, right? There are plans in the workings, not just for Bitcoin, but for most of these blockchains to start attaching them to identity. Uh, and that, that I've seen there, I think most of them are launching this year for that. So they're going to be, allow you to vote then using blockchain. That's what I foresee coming. And then it's publicly auditable. So right now, you know, we can't who, – who, what one person can sit down at their computer and audit every state's votes? No, no, nobody. But you'll be able to do that once they actually have moved to blockchain. And, and I kind of hope that that 
you know, they, they don't find a way to game the system, but I'm not exactly hopeful that they, you know, they'll implement this until they do. <laughs> okay. So let's, let, let's stay on, on voting for a little bit. So you're saying when it says, when you say publicly auditable, does that mean anyone who voted or just anyone at all could go onto the blockchain and see who voted for what based on some sort of digital ID or something like that? Like, how does that work? So depending, it, there's lots of different options here, right? So depending on, on how it's set up, you wouldn't even have to know the person's identity. You, you could have it so that, you know, people that are reporting on this only saw X amount of people voted for this person in this area and X amount of people voted for this person in this area. And maybe the names are only unlocked for certain people that have a certain credential. Mm. So that, that's kind of what, what I'm getting at with the, uh, with that. Okay. And, and so I don't know, do you see the voting thing? I mean, the way you just, you know, it seems like you think it's heading in the, the voting's heading in that direction either way. Do you see that as a good or a bad thing? Cause I mean, I'm not really the biggest fan of voting in general. I mean, it, like I will probably vote again, but I also think it's kind of rigged and BS. And even if it's completely real, you're also vo just voting away another person's yeah. freedom. Um, so do you see that as a good – what's your general stance on voting? And in, in line with that, do you see this you know, blockchain voting as a good or a bad thing? Yeah, I, I'm 100% with you. Um, I, I don't see voting as, as it currently exists as a way of changing anything um, or, or getting anything accomplished, which, which really sucks. But um, I do think blockchain can be a positive move. Um, I, you know, I think the end move is going to be cutting politicians themselves out to mm. where smart contracts are what are the politicians, where it's just built into code and what comes in, you know, equals what comes out and, and you can't change it. Uh, I think that's where it's going to head. But, uh, you know, getting our voting is the first step there. So, you know, it, it's a good thing in, in the sense that it's going to be publicly auditable. But it, it has lots of downsides. It does have the potential to put people into slavery. It does have the potential to create a whole new class of people that can't do certain things because they, they don't, you know, they don't have a certain piece of crypto or they haven't been a, approved on it. So it, it has lots of downside. But I don't know. I don't besides something drastic, I don't know another way to fix the voting system. So I see it as a potential positive move. Yeah. I mean, just speaking for myself, I feel like I'm in a, a different cast in like right now, like in this conversation, like, all right, anytime I like talk to anyone who knows about this stuff, I'm just like, uh, 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 can we like play some music or something? So I know something about what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> but you know, so you know, what, what about other than voting? I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. You know, people in the chat are, you know, R Randy says the, the way he's describing this makes crypto sound even more like the mark of the beast. And I've heard people say that before, that it, it's, you know, it's closer to, you know, w not necessarily one world government, but just, you know, ideas, ideas on everyone's wrist and um, all that stuff. But do you, I don't know, do you, do you think it's kind of weird. It's, it's almost like if someone were to ask me 
150 years ago, do you see electricity as a good thing or no? And I'm like, I don't know. It's just that's where it's headed. But do you – you've obviously embraced the crypto blockchain system, and it seems like it's a tool where you could use it for good, use it for bad. Um, and I like what you said about right. cutting the politicians out you know, eventually using smart contracts. But do you, um, do you think there's any slowing it down or should we at all? No, okay. no, I don't think there's any slowing it down. I think this is probably being pushed by world bodies. One of the reasons why I decided to just like go full bore researching into it is the fact that I realized that you had these guys out of Davos and stuff talking about merging our digital identities with our physical identities and having all these things tracked. And once I realized that's the exact thing that the blockchain solves. I knew that's where they're going. So I, I think, you know, it is a tool. It can be used for good or bad. Um, it's probably going to be used by those, those same individuals to, to try to limit freedoms and things. But the way I see it is I can't stop it. So I might as well know as much about it as I can. So I can either game the system later or have some kind of influence on it. Okay. And, and I, I think you defined this earlier, but can you just kind of give me another definition for what uh, smart contracts are? Because I want to uh, talk to you about that in the, the context of not non-financial. You know, so if we were to do a thing, me and you are a community of people that – a smart contract that cuts the politicians out, what is that in that context? And give me an example, like a hypothetical example of, of how that would work to – you know, get rid of pol- the ne- the necessity of po- politicians. Sure, sure. So the basic basics of a smart contract are a, an, a predetermined agreement that's written into code, right? So you know, if if X happens, then then Y, you know, and that's just a really simple one. They they can get pretty complex. Um, so you know, an example of one that might end up replacing a politician would be where you write into your laws, you know, and, and this, this can get hairy, right? But you write into code your law. So, you know, if you go over the speed limit, you get X fined. Uh, sounds terrifying. I don't want that to happen, uh, but that would be an example. And, you know, putting, getting the politicians out of the way, you, you would kind of, I guess, work that with like funding of roads and, you know, determining who gets contracts and, and things like that. You would, you would build it into the code of, you know, how you want to determine who got the contract and then whoever met those, that criteria or one out in the end of the day gets it. No, no human intervention. Oh, okay. So, and so this would be kind of, you know, th- this would kind of be depend. You would kind of need an all digital currency system then. Because you couldn't, you know, find them or yeah. tax them with paper money. I mean, what I always think about when I think about government is who's the gun that's going to enforce it. You know, so say, so you'd say it would say it would be like people are bought in somehow, whether through their computer or through their identity or something like that, to this digital system. And if they violate whatever law, ho- hopefully it's not shit like traffic tickets and, and small stuff. But either way, it would be digital currency that they get automatically, you know, take get stuff taken from them if they do an infraction yeah. all within the blockchain, right? 
Yep. And then you don't, you don't have to pay people to enforce it anymore. It just happens. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's, this is crazy. I got, I got to say so far, as far as the, the, uh, official business, you know, the, either the state controlling it or just, yeah, it sounds bad to me. Um, I mean, I'm not, you know, I, I definitely like what you said about, about, you know, it's coming. So you're going to learn as much as possible, but as far as implementing it and not giving a, yeah. people a way out, it just seems like you said, very hairy. Yeah, it definitely is. But it, like I said, it's coming whether we like it or not. You know, I mean, the way I also look at it is like back in the day when, when the internet was rolling out, I'm sure there were plenty of people that said the same thing about it, you know, but the internet's also given us the freedom to organize and talk with each other and, and things like that. It's also given the ability to, to monitor us much closer. So, you know, you, you've got both sides of the coin. So it can be terrible, but that's why I, I, I encourage people to participate in it because it's an actual community thing. Most of these cryptos are open source. So if you wanted, you could take their code and go start your own, you know? So it, you can have an influence on it. Wow. That, and so, but, but then, you know, I think like the, where it's at right now, it, it's just crazy how tech works. Cause you want to be, you want to, you know, stop progress and leverage it for yourself, but that's not how technology has ever worked in history. You know, you just, cause I, cause it seems fine now with, people making memes off of it and doge going to the moon so to speak and uh you could create your own but once systems of power get a hold of it then it can go very bad but from what i've heard so far systems of power are kind of already driving it you know whether it be overseas or even america i mean america well, america isn't good you know yeah, I think actually when you're looking at what crypto you want to participate in, which community you want to be a part of, I think it's important to look at, you know, is it possible for a government to come in and take over it? And what are those methods that they would use, right? So you, you want your crypto to have a method of governance that resists major outside players. So you want to make sure that, you know, once it's running, you, if you own a bunch of that crypto, you want to be able to potentially have a vote. That's actually one of the reasons why, why I have, have participated in the Cardano community is because they, they have a governance system set up where people like myself can have an idea and make a proposal and get funding. People like myself can vote for who gets that funding to set up programs and applications on top of Cardano. So we don't have people that I, you know, I don't like their plan getting a bunch of funding. The community is kind of coalesced around what's coming and what's going to happen. So I think it's important to look at those, the, how changes get made to the blockchain. Is there any, um, obviously Bitcoin is the biggest one right now. Um, it, it's definitely in terms of name recognition and stuff, but are there any um, big government forces explicitly you know, pumping a, a currency or there, I guess an another way to ask is there, do you get any feds in there at Cardano? Like, like clearly trying to infiltrate it and, you know, exert government influence on it or even organized crime influence and stuff like that. Like what, what about like crypto corruption? Yeah. So I haven't seen any, but 
you know, you got to imagine it's there because yeah. there's there's lots of easy money to be made right now. You know, a good example. I don't know if anybody is following the whole NFT craze and what's happening with that, but there's insane amounts of money to be made off of stupid little images that people are buying for whatever reason. You know, um, some of them are neat, but some of them it's it's weird. Uh, so you're gonna get your organized crime. Uh, as far as feds, I don't even I don't know how feds would really have an influence in it besides to like try to get people to do illegal things. I mean, that's always what they're doing anyways, right? You know, just oh hey, do this and so I can bust you. So uh, you know, besides besides that, I don't know how much of an influence they they could have anyways. Right. So Sedevacantist over there in the chat says almost a decade already of cartel and politicians buying up uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum and Litecoin since 2013. Do you know anything uh, uh, about this? I mean, Sedevacantist, I'll ask you as well. Why don't you expound upon that in the in the chat? Um, said all, he also says FBI stole Silk Road BTC. And there's that. Um, I don't know. Do you, like you kind of already answered the question, but it just seems like that's what they do. Right. Yeah, so so the the question I was more answering is kind of like them controlling the direction of the community or like what they're doing. Uh, as far as them controlling some of the money of Bitcoin, yes, definitely. Um, I've actually seen them routinely take funds from hackers, shield who the hackers are, uh, and then whenever they feel like, you know, sell the Bitcoin off. And a lot of times... The prices they sell it off to are like fire sale prices, and it. I'm sure there was some kind of deal worked in the background because every person who's got these fire sale deals, they're super rich right now. So, you know, they, we've got dirty dealings with our government agencies everywhere, and I've got to imagine that's going on there too. Yeah, for sure. Because they, I mean, and since 2013, the you know, the, the, well, I mean, I don't know, if, you know, 20 years they've been printing money. I don't know when quanti- quantitative easing started, but. It seems like, do you think so? Do you, okay, here's a good question. Do, how do you, you know, since October, I think, I think in October, Bitcoin was something like 28 or 28 or 30 grand. Now it's, it, it hit 62 a couple of days ago. Now there was a big crash over the last week or so. And now it's, you know, 55, 56. Do you think it increasing in, uh, in price benefits, you know, We'll just say the globalists because there's there's you know America is has the globalist faction and the nationalist faction like but do you think the big rise you know, over the last six or seven months benefits the globalists? Yeah, I, I think it definitely does. Mm. I mean, most of them probably had Bitcoin. They they probably knew part of this was coming. Um, you know, as as far to, as far as benefiting them, it, it's bringing in a, a global currency they can control. You know, so that that definitely is going to benefit their plans. You know, it's bringing in adoption of blockchain. Um, You know, actually, at the beginning of this whole NFT craze, I actually I was wondering if there's not some kind of influence behind the NFT craze as to why are all these people buying them for so much money? Like, I know regular people are doing it now, but the whole beginning to it. It's, it felt very set up because it was just out of nowhere. All of a sudden, things are going for tens of thousands and millions of dollars for, for images that you could take a screenshot of and, and have the same thing. But because it's on the blockchain, it pr- proves ownership. It's, it's bizarre. So I thought about it, and I was like, you know, this feels like 
uh, like a setup to foster adoption into it. And I actually think that's probably the same thing of, of what's going on with the, with the actual Bitcoin is uh, it's probably ramping up so much. So everybody looks at it and kind of is like, let me get into it. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. So, so just going back a couple, a couple steps, I know that um, NFT is non fungible token. And I, you know, like I've reported on this before and people have tried to explain it in the chat, but I know that um, Jack Dorsey f- sold his first tweet as an NFT for, I think a couple million, $6 million or something like that. What is an NFT and can it be anything digital? But how, how does, and I know you created a couple as where at least you said you did a video on how to create your own, but what's an NFT and does that have any actual value? Yeah. Like, what is that? So, so an NFT it stands for non-fungible token. Um, and it, it basically means that like one isn't worth the same thing as the other. So, you know, if, if I trade you one of my NFTs, it, it's not of equal value, right? So the, the main use case right now is like people putting art onto it. Um, but that I see just as like a test use case. Um, NFTs are very likely eventually your keys to get into your house can be an NFT. Hmm. Your, your marriage certificate can be an NFT. You know, your, your relationship to work can be an NFT. It, it's basically a token that, that can set up relationships to other tokens. So really the art is kind of like, it's like a, a test use case. You know, when the, when the internet first came around, everybody's website was like dancing Homer and like ridiculous art and stuff like that. <laughs> and now it's it's more serious business and people monetizing it. And I think you're going to see that same pattern here is where right now they're just doing art and it's kind of silly little things. But I think the next step is going to be games because in these NFTs, you can actually encode attributes and metadata. So you can link one F- NFT to another. You can give it certain attributes like a strength attribute or a, a quickness attribute you know you you can do all kinds of things so this is just really the first use case and the the world of nfts isn't going to go away it's just going to get bigger and and so you know same kind of thing is as before I, I you know what i'll probably do is check out your video but is it the same kind of thing where you just you know run a couple lines of code do some commands and you've then created it or like do you how do you see it that's the thing i really have trouble with conceptualizing this stuff like you know bitcoin has a symbol it's that b with a with a you know dollar sign through it or whatever and you know i have trouble conceptualizing it because it's code and i can't see that even though i do other things that you can't conceptualize but you know what do you do where do you house this stuff is it on a hard drive is it on software where do you where's where do you house the initial version version of the blockchain or a crypto or an nft where is it stored sure so there's multiple different ways to to store it um right now what i'm doing is i'm using the ipfs blockchain so the ipfs blockchain is for storage it's kind of like a competitor to google and amazon for storing things but it's decentralized costs a lot less as well um now uh, there's also another one called AR Weave that exists. AR Weave says that they're forever. So you put a file on there and they say it never gets removed. Um, IPFS, if it doesn't get used for long enough, it, it, they say it goes away. 
Now, most of these haven't been around for very long, so it remains, remains to be seen exactly how they evolve. But that's where the image right now is being housed uh, for, for many of the blockchains is, is on IPFS. So pretty much the metadata and the identifying assets you know, will reside on Ethereum, uh, will reside on Cardano or Tezos or one of these other blockchains. And then the image will reside on IPFS. Some of these blockchains do have the ability to store the image with, on themselves, um, but it's basically like a referential thing. Hmm. So in, in the metadata, you would have the link pretty much to the IPFS image. And depending on your wallet or what viewer you were using, uh, it'll display the image in there as well. Wow. Okay. And so like that, you know, so it's kept on a, on a server. And, and so that's, and a server is kind of, you know, a big, big hard drive that goes to many more places than a hard drive, but that's where it's actually stored. And, but you can, in theory could do that yourself, right? You, you, you could have your own server and, you know, with enough money and enough power, you could run this operation from your place, right? Yeah, so um, you, you can store about a gig on IPFS for free. Um, so there's this one uh, uh, service called pinata.cloud. And if you sign up for a service there, you can upload a gig of stuff to IPFS. And that's, that's what I'm doing right now for my NFTs. And uh, I've, I've, I've minted probably, I don't know, 400 of them now. Made, made a few thousand dollars on them. They're not, it's not my art. I have a friend and it's, it's his art. So I'm, I'm working with him. But uh, it's, you know, it's, it's actually pretty lucrative right now. You know, I don't, like I said, I don't think the art is the, the end goal. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's a start. <laughs> so what other ways, I mean, you said in our, when we were talking privately that it, it could revolutionize, revolutionize, you know, politics and, and finances. Um, you know, first of all, politics and finances, you know, if you can revolutionize that or change those two things, you've changed most of the world. You know, the, the economy and, and, and politics is how you organize money and how you organize power is a big slice of what we would call news or current events or anything like that. But, you know, um, where do you think it's going to be like in, in other systems? Like what are, are other ways that you think it can um, obviously it can revolutionize storage. We kind of talked about art a little bit. Um but what other fields do you see it kind of – I mean, one angle we might want to talk about is kind of medical because, you know, you know, COVID, you know, FOVID, you know, COVID hoax night, you know, I don't want to get medical information again, YouTube. Um, I get strikes all the time now. But, you know, like what about medical or other <laughs> fields that it can – that can revolutionize or how can it affect those things? Sure. So it's it's definitely. I don't know that it it's going to revolutionize the medical field. Um, it's definitely going to change it because that that is where they'll put your COVID passport stuff. Yeah. It's, it's going to have to be on the blockchain so everybody can report on it and know you know it can be tied to your identity. So that's that's definitely has to be there. Um, but as far as like the industries, it's gonna it's gonna revolutionize a uh, asset tracking and like ERP type systems. It's that's going to totally change them because right now they're all data silos. So like my company has an ERP system and they're the only ones that can access that data. Now, if they want to share that data with one of their partner companies, they have to work out, hey, can your server talk to mine? Did we write it in the same code? Do I have my firewall ports open? Do I trust you, et cetera, et cetera. 
with the blockchain, you know, if you put it out there, and some companies aren't going to go blockchain, you know, they're going to want their data silos. But for the stuff you do have out there, it's going to be easily reportable. So, you know, you don't even as your own as your own company don't have to be the one that creates the tools that that reports stuff to everybody. It's just a random person could could do that because it's out there. So mm. definitely asset tracking and, uh, and ERP systems. Um, I think probably the, the criminal, the criminal, the penal system. Because you're going to, you know, you'll be able to actually remove some of the, the human element as far as like, oh, I like this guy. So I'm going to give him a lenient sentence. I don't know if that, that revolution is going to be good. That, that could be a negative revolution because, you know, you want your humanity uh, in, right. you know, in, in your law enforcement at points, right? <laughs> but I, I think that's, that's one of the things that's going to change too. Um, one of the others is uh, Internet of Things. And that that's full force on its way right now is the Internet of Things. I actually have some some stuff coming to set up a, a, a network for Internet of Things so I can kind of start experimenting with it. And that's, you know, so Internet of Things, I mean, I understand the term, but just it's kind of another way of saying interconnectivity of everything. You know, like whether your fridge, your yes, your shoes, much. your glasses, your your desk, your whatever. It's kind of everything being interconnected, which, you know, to me kind of I think for most people, too, yeah. is you know, terrifying implications. Um, it so is, what, it is. Yeah. It's, it's on its way, though, and we're, we're not going to stop that. The revolutionary part that really comes is these uh, the sensors that they have now can last 10 years on two AA batteries. So you don't have to replace them like monthly. <laughs> so that's the big revolution that that's going to enable this in the internet of things that's coming. Wow. And so what about kind of, um, is there, I guess what, you know, so we, we just did about 45 minutes. So, I mean, we, you know, I still have a few more questions though. Like what about regulations and stuff? Like, is it legal for me and you to create our own cur- currency right now to kind of, get around the government's financial system. I mean, it's all, it's still already always backed by dollars right now, or at least not backed, but it's the value is, you know, it, it, it's, 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 uh, it says such and such is equal to this much dollars, but is there a legal way for me and you to get around to create our own culture, our own system? That is, we won't have the FBI kicking in our door. Yeah, you, you definitely can. Um, you, you Where you're going to run into trouble is actually selling it. So, mm. I mean, you, you would kind of already have to have it backed. Uh, you know, you, you definitely, almost all of these blockchains have run into issues with the SEC already. Even if crypto is not tightly regulated, they still run into it because they, they pretty much are have to worry whether they're, they're selling securities or not. So they all talk to the SEC. Um but as far as the FBI coming in and kicking down your door, I mean, as long as you're not trying to replace the dollar, I don't think they're going to care. <laughs> I see. Cool, man. So, I mean, is, yeah, is there any other things that you wanted to tell the people about? Um, you know, it, we, uh, what's uh, slap is uh, linking your channel in the, in the, in the chat right now. So everyone go over there and uh, sub to crypto crypto slim. Uh, but yeah, are there any other things that, you know, just, any important things you want the people to know or anything that you're working on the next, uh, next couple months or what's going on? 
Yeah, yeah, I definitely uh, want want people to um, look at crypto. Don't don't ignore it. it. It could be a negative thing, but if you get your finger in it, you can influence it. Um, where I, I think everybody should be looking is into coding and development skills. Um, I think that that's going to be the future. And if you want to have any kind of say in how these things go, um, that's what you're going to need to do. It's either that or become Amish and, and just not work in the system. And, you know, that's an option, but, it, you know, it's not going to be an easy one. So if you still want to, you know, have, have your frills, you're probably going to have to know a little bit about what's going on. So that, that's the main thing I want people to know. Crypto is not all about money. There's definite use and utility that's coming, and some of it can be positive. So I, I want the whole community that's listened to this to actually participate because I, I think we could be a good change. That's that's it. <laughs> cool. So yeah, I mean that. So that was great to talk to you, man. I, I definitely wanted to say this uh, on air is uh, Slim. Uh, thank you so much for your supportive messages and your kindness a couple months ago. And since then, you know, since I, you know, the 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 thing that shall not be named. I mean, we've named it a couple times, but just. Uh, you know, thank you so much for your offers of help and being so kind, you know, in private messages since then. Man, I really appreciate it. Sure. No problem. You're, you're doing a good thing. So got to support you. <laughs> Thanks, man. Well, yeah. So this will be uh, uploaded as a uh, as a podcast probably tomorrow or something like that. But um, why don't you guys so mods, if you want to uh, link his channel a couple more times in the chat. But Slim, why don't you just tell people how we can find you and uh, how to support your work? Yep. Well, you can, you can find me on YouTube. If you just go to youtube.com slash Slim Quiggle, it's like S-L-I-M-Q-U-I-G-G-L-E. I don't, I don't know if I can change that to Crypto Slim. I haven't even, haven't even looked at that yet. You can also find me over on Twitter if you want. Uh, uh, like I'm Cardano Slim over there, but you can at me at uh, Slim Quiggle there too. Cool. Very nice. Yeah, but we'll definitely be checking back in. I mean, I, uh, I uh, made a killing off of, uh, th- uh, not Ethereum, but XRP over the last couple months but then i lost a lot of it over the big crash for the last couple weeks so you know i'll be checking in again and uh getting some advice and stuff like that so <laughs> all right it was nice talking to you yeah Thank great you man all right have a great night man peace out you too bye all right crypto slim this will be a podcast in a day or so uh